0: God's design for marriage is found in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, At the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Welcome to By Design from American Family Radio.
1: Welcome to this episode of By Design here on the American Family Radio Network. I'm your host today, Walker Wildman. And if you listen to our radio network pretty often, you understand that uh, the By Design show that we're here that we're offering, our project, has different hosts each week, depending on when you listen. Uh, We try to uh, share the load here on who hosts the show and talk about all of the issues related to marriage and family and God's design uh, for our marriages and for our families. So that's what we're focused on here with this by design episode is building godly marriages, which will impact our culture, impact our society, and ultimately and most importantly, impact the kingdom. We have a special guest on with us today that I've been very excited about. And that is Dr. Rob Reno, who is a uh, founder of visionary family ministries with his wife, Amy, also uh, author of visionary parenting and Visionary Marriage, amongst other things, other DVDs and resources that they've been working on in their ministry and in their career. Uh, Dr. Reno, thanks for being on the show.
0: Thanks for having me. I've really been looking forward to this.
1: You know, uh, Dr. Reno, I want to uh, talk about uh, marriages and, and really what we're facing a, as a culture and as a society today. Um, much of, uh, I really think this topic is, this topic of 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 godly marriages— is really underserved, and I'm not just saying that because we're talking about it today, but more so when you look out in our culture, in the secular news media, in our universities, and all across really the country here in America, um, we have all the issues being reported in our society. You know, you have issues of crime, you have issues of substance abuse, uh, of drug overdoses, uh, thousands of drug overdoses in America each year. We have uh, discipline problems in our schools. So I could go on and on about the different challenges that we face as a society here in America, and you can get into the challenges that we face uh, as a church, as the Church of Christ here in America. Uh, but in order to really to understand all of that and really the root causes, uh, we can't ignore marriage and family. So talk a little bit about uh, your experience, your career, your ministry as it relates to the root cause of many of our ills here in, in the world, and that is the breakdown of the family.
0: Well, you put your finger on it already. You know, the enemy knows what he's doing, and he always strikes the base, right? He strikes the foundations, and a lot of times Christians get sidetracked on, on ancillary issues. Now, what, what do I mean he strikes the base, he strikes the foundation? Almost all the significant battles in the culture right now are Genesis 1, 2, 3 battles. Right? God made the world. No, he didn't. You're here by chance. God made male, God made female. No, he didn't. There's 57 different genders. God made marriage between one man and one woman, and that's where sexuality thrives. So God created marriage and family as the foundation of all human civilization, all people, all places, all times— and that's how the gospel advances. The gospel advances through the generations. One generation passes faith, the next generation, the next generation, we spread out, right? And we fill the earth with the worship and the Word of God. And so to stop the gospel, the devil and his demons attack the home. And that's why we see the cultural attack, one of the best ways to uh, get to kids is to break up their parents' marriage. You know, I came from uh, a divorced uh, family. My parents divorced when I was fifteen years old. I didn't come from any kind of big spiritual background, spiritual legacy. My my mother was the first Christian in our family. She came to Christ after I was born. So I've personally experienced the pain of divorce and, and my father's unfaithfulness. Uh, and so my brother and I were like the first two, you know, Christian men in our in our family tree asking God to work a miracle of of lifelong Christian marriage. My wife and I just celebrated 27 years of marriage. We've been blessed with seven children, and God has been gracious to us. We have had all sorts of ups and downs and problems and struggles Mm -hmm. like every other couple, but man, we understand that God's brought us together, not just for, you know, convenience or happiness or partnership, but God's brought us together for a kingdom, multi-generational purpose.
1: Amen. And, And to your point about uh, missing the mark, or missing misdiagnosing what uh, a lot of our issues come from as a society, and really missing the whole uh, root of marriage and how it brings so much stability and benefit to a society and to the church. Um, we, we, our, our government, and and our our political leaders, and and even others. You know, we often, as humans, we want to. We want to look to ourselves and look to plans and institutions and programs uh, that are going to somehow fix everything. Uh, we want to sometimes throw a little more money at it, and, and that's going to fix some of our societal ills. But you know, I've been convicted over the last several years um, that if our country, if our if our leaders, uh, this is church leaders and our government leaders, if we would uh, focus on ensuring at least encouraging. Uh, healthy marriages, and this doesn't have to be, you know, a Christian a forced upon you uh, type program. If if you're getting into our government leaders, although that's the, the God's design for marriage, God is the creator of marriage. So ignoring Him is to ignore the entire institution. Uh, but I'm talking about just simply encouraging biblically healthy marriages. That's that would be so effective at, at solving so so many of our societal issues. But instead, uh, Dr. Reno, we we go towards programs and spending more money.
0: Well, I'll give you an example on the other side. You have the Communist Revolution in Russia in the early 20th century. And within a couple of years, one of the first laws they passed, in fact, the Soviet Union was the first nation in the world that passed this, but they declared no-fault divorce. You could leave your husband, you could leave your wife for for any reason. See, up until then, you actually had to, like, have a reason to break the marriage. He was unfaithful or uh, abused me or whatever it might be. And they explained it in these documents that in order to establish the state, and in order to establish dependency on the state, we have to break the traditional Christian family. So um, you have a lot of patterns of history, that, especially as totalitarianism, rises in any sort of government system, you can count on the fact that they're going to do everything they can to break the independence of the family to increase dependence on the state.
1: Yeah, you're you're exactly right, and this is, you know, I, I kind of set that up as if I'm naive, and I don't know what's really going on here, but if people listen to our network, um, we're, to your point, we're, we're well aware that people are at work to undermine God's design for marriage and family and other institutions that God has set up um, and that is a really an attack at, of Satan when you get down to the root cause of it. This is all uh, spiritual warfare to some extent or the other. And speaking of spiritual warfare, uh, you've addressed this some in your writings and in your books, um, but uh, we all know um, people, whether it be family members uh, or, or friends, we all know people who have raised up children in a godly home, And the children leave and go off to college or go to uh, to high school or whatever they do. They choose a career, Um, and all the effort and the discipleship that you've put in just seems to go to waste. As so many, statistically speaking, here, so many children that come from Christian households just appear to walk off from the faith and totally deny it. I mean, what can you say to parents who have gone through that or are currently going through that?
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. Uh, a big part of our ministry and a lot of the conferences that we do around the country are called Never Too Late, Encouraging Faith in Your Adult Child. Because like you said, we've got, in fact, statistically two-thirds of the empty nest parents in our churches, so two-thirds of parents of adult children, have at least one of their adult children who's struggling in their faith or far from God, and it's the most painful thing in their life. And so our message is it's never too late. And what we mean by that, when we say it's never too late, it's never too late for God to use you as mom or dad or grandma or grandpa in the life of that 20-something, that 30-something. Regardless of what's happened in the past, regardless of how many miles away they live, the, the mission of parenting, you know, is a lifelong mission. I have a married son. My daughter's getting married in two weeks, right? So we're we're getting kids Congratulations. off the table now. I, gotta, I, I know, I've got a second grader on the other end, okay, so <laughs> we've got, you know, a long way to go. Um... But, but you know, the mission of parenting, any parent of an adult child will tell you that the mission of parenting does not end right when they become adults. Now, it sure. changes dramatically because they're not little kids anymore, um, but, but parenting's a lifelong mission. And nobody, mommy, mom or dad, grandma grandpa, if you're listening and you've got one of those prodigal kids, no one has a greater spiritual calling or spiritual opportunity in the heart of your child, regardless of the past, than you. So don't let the enemy discourage you or get you on the sideline you're the key asset for that prodigal son or prodigal daughter so the enemy's top priority is to get you discouraged whether it's with past guilt or passivity or whatever it is Hmm. but the key ingredient is you're staying engaged with your prayers with your love with your relationship and doing everything you can uh to to maintain your faithfulness and parenting all the way to the end
1: amen and you know i i'm i'm A young dad. I'm 27. My wife and I, Lexi, we have been married about six years, going on six years. We have a set of two-year-old twins, and we've got a a four-year-old. So we got three boys in our household, all uh, under about four years old. And um, I'm even being convicted now. And I I was raised in a Christian household. I came to the faith uh, in my late years of high school. Um, I mean, I'm being convicted now about me being intentional. Uh, as a family on discipling our our, our children. And just one example of this, I told this story on my radio show the other day, but I was laying in bed with my son reading him a story. He loves to make sure we read a story and pray at night, which is a great habit uh, to do. And I caught myself reading a book uh, about the gingerbread man, which is a story we've all heard, most of us at least. And I was just laying there reading this story, and I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading, which is possible, but it's kind of difficult. but i <laughs> thought I thought, what oh, what eternal significance does this have on my child, the gingerbread man story? And I'm not saying that we can't we shouldn't read our kids' fictional stories that have no basis in scripture, But my whole point behind that thought process was, and I went immediately and got up a, a book that was a hundred Bible stories. And it starts in Genesis and goes all the way through revelation and I thought I have precious time with my with my son I don't really get to spend a whole lot of time with him in the grand scheme of his life so let me be intentional with my time and read him Bible stories and it seems so simple Dr. Reno, but you do that over and over again that type of intentionality could have long-term eternal uh, benefits to your children
0: well, amen and you're you're really hitting like a personal uh, soft spot. For me, you know, Amy and I, the first 10 years of our marriage, I was a youth pastor, and we had four children during those first 10 years. And as a youth pastor, right, the number one passion of my life is passing my faith to other people's children. So I'm praying with other people's children. I'm reading the Bible with other people's children. I'm taking other people's children on retreats and mission trips. I'm doing lock-ins with junior hires, which is a horrible idea. No <laughs> one should ever do those. But you, you remember, right? Now, so in in that season of youth ministry, was really special, but here was the problem. I was praying with other people's kids and not praying with mine. Mm. I was reading the Bible with other people's kids, not reading the Bible with mine. I had, like you used to say, intentionality. I had spiritual intentionality with my ministry at church, and I was totally passive spiritually in my house. And it was 10 years into marriage that God brought me to this place of brokenness and repentance and as it says in Malachi 4 and Luke 1, he turned my heart to the ministry of my children and just convicted me that, that my ministry for God began with them, that these were souls that were entrusted to my care, and they were spiritual responsibilities. Everybody else is a spiritual opportunity, and what I had been doing is always putting my opportunities in front of my spiritual responsibilities. And so that sent us down a journey driven by Deuteronomy 6, where we began to do exactly what you just said— well, we began to pray as a family, we began to read the Bible as a family, have family worship time as a family, and it has changed everything in these last 17 years.
1: Uh, Dr. Reno, for for parents who are listening now, for, for married couples and people who are soon to be married or they want to have a uh, a godly marriage in the future, maybe they're still in college or something, um, We, uh, you talk about, at least in your testimony, some of your writings and your DVDs about of forgiveness. And we all come from uh, backgrounds. We're all sinners, and so we all have backgrounds, most of us, of some kind of struggle, um, of broken relationships to a certain extent, whether it be family or friends or loved ones. Um, but talk a little bit about how really forgiveness and the forgiveness of Christ plays such an important role in being able to let go of the past and move forward and be and, and truly have a kingdom impact without letting the past drag you down. Amen.
0: You know, in all the marriage counseling that we do, so many of the marriage crises are because of things that happened in the life of the husband and wife prior to marriage, prior to them even meeting each other, like things that they experienced in their home growing up that that they brought into the marriage and um you you weren't raised by Jesus, is that right?
1: That's exactly right. Amen. <laughs> okay, so neither,
0: neither was neither was I, so sure. that means we had sinful parents, so even the best of parents were sinful people and they had brokenness and struggle. So one of the one of the key tasks, and we work with this with high school students and college students, we encourage them to say, hey, you need to make a list, two, two sides of a paper. Here are virtues and blessings that I received from my parents that I want to do it. I want to do it just like them in my generation. And here are things my parents did. I do not want to do it like them. I want to leave that where it was and not carry that forward. And then going through, I'd say a lot of those things, because we had sinful parents, we did receive hurt uh, from them. And having an intentional process of taking those things to the Lord, God, I choose to forgive my mother for this. I choose to forgive my father for this. God, don't let any hatred, anger, bitterness, resentment lodge in my life. I don't want my parents' wounds in my life to be a ball and chain around my future. So you see, what a lot of people do, a lot of Christians, they believe the world's lie that says time heals all wounds. So we all have wounds, we all have problems. So a bunch of Christians say, well, if I just give that time, I'll feel better. So they don't actually deal with the hurts and wounds of childhood. They don't actually go to God and choose to forgive those things. They actually don't do any work in the spiritual realm. They just wait. Well, unfortunately, if you have a big wound and you just wait, it gets infected, right? And it gets gangrenous, and it causes all sorts of problems. So we just encourage people to have an intentional uh, forgiveness process with the Lord, so that we're not under bondage to those uh, those
1: hurts of the past. Yeah, that's that's so important. Uh, forgiveness really has to play a central role in, in moving forward. Um, and even even those who, who did have—who were raised by godly parents, I mean, to your point, none of us were raised by Jesus. Uh, so we all have certain things in our past and even certain things in our present uh, that we just have to seek forgiveness about so that we can move on and have a healthy marriage and really leave the past in the past. Uh, all uh, for God's kingdom. And this is not, you know, this is not aimed at being passive or ignoring what's going on in our life. Uh, We're talking about addressing uh, issues uh, in your life, struggles in your past, uh, things of shame and guilt, addressing those head on, uh, but seeking forgiveness so that we can effectively leave them in the past. Uh, Dr. Reno, another thing I wanted to ask you about is let's just say we have um, a husband or a mom who is listening now—they um, haven't really been devoting their time and their energy and their marriage and discipling their children in, in God's word. Uh, but they want to. They want to. They want to get there. Uh, they want to do better. Uh, they want to move into uh, a time of generational change, as you mentioned. And so, give give them just a little bit of an encouragement of where to start, not to get overwhelmed. Uh, but where where do you start? when it comes to having a more lasting kingdom impact on discipling your children and building a godly marriage?
0: Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you where I had to start. First is just as with repentance to the Lord, right? God convicted me that I had not been taking my primary ministry seriously. I hadn't been shepherding my kids, and I hadn't even been praying with my wife. You know, we were—I was a Christian, she was a Christian, but we weren't even praying together for the first almost 13 years of our marriage. So I had to repent to the Lord of that, and then I had to repent to my family, and I sat everybody down, and I just said, I, I have not been spiritually engaged with you. I have not been ministering to you. I've been ministering to everybody else. And I've been ministering to you, and, and I'm sorry, and I know God wants me to start. Please help me. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, you know, embarrassed. I don't know where to begin. And then the scripture that really changed everything for me was Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, if you've been around church, you've heard it before. But it's, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. And now God speaks to parents and families. He says, teach them diligently to your children. In other words, teach the Word of God diligently to your children. And talk about the Word of God when you sit at home. So I had never seen before in God's Word the connection between loving God with all my heart, and then what's the very first specifically like, concrete thing God says to do in that passage? He says, open his book at home and talk about it with your family. Mm. So those three things, repent to the Lord, repent to your family, and just say, we need to be spending time in God's Word together. We need to be spending time in prayer together, and begin that bumbling, stumbling practice of family worship. In fact, we've got a, uh, I've got a book I can give away to everybody who's listening. We have a a family worship guide that we've written through the book of Genesis, Um, and you can get a free copy of it by going to visionaryfam.com slash grace. Visionaryfam, short for family, dot com slash grace. And you can get a free copy of this family worship guide, which is fun, interesting, engaging for kids, teenagers, your whole family. It'll really help you.
1: Excellent, and we'll post that uh, URL on our podcast page at AFR.net in case people weren't able to write it down so they can go and get that free resource from your website, Dr. Reno. Uh, Well, one last last question I want to get your opinion on and your view on is we live in a fast-paced society and a fast-paced culture. Everything's in the here and now. We've got a microwave, everything. Um, We expect things to be uh, done in an expedited manner, um, but this, this whole topic and challenge and, and really biblical mandate to disciple our children and to build godly, strong marriages in Christ, um, that is a long-term strategy, a generational strategy. And you've talked about this a little bit in, in your book. Uh, but uh, just, just encourage us, those who think <laughs> we, want, we want things to change tomorrow or tonight— Talk about the, the, the fact that a lot of this takes time, it takes energy, and it takes years.
0: Well, it's absolutely critical that the Christian has multi-generational vision, that you understand that the way you're living your life right now, your marriage relationship, your relationship with your children, not just about your family. You're raising people who will be raising your grandchildren, who will be raising your great-grandchildren. So all the parenting and marriage decisions that we're making right now are having a multi-generational ripple effect. And this is particularly important for first-generation Christians. I'm sure a lot of people listening that they're the first-generation Christian in their family. And that can be just an incredibly lonely situation. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, they're the only Christian in their family. The rest of the family thinks that they're Jesus freaks or crazy religious people or whatever. And, you know, the Bible uses this illustration of like cultivating, sowing, and reaping, right? Preparing the soil, sowing seed, and then reaping fruit. Now, we all want fruit, right? But sometimes, you know, a lot of first-generation Christians, they've received a plot of land that's filled with rocks and weeds, right? Their, their, their family is a spiritual disaster. God has saved them. And it feels like all they're doing every day is breaking up rocks and pulling weeds. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. It can be discouraging. But imagine if God were to, to give you this vision and say, okay, listen, the primary mission of your life is to break rocks and pull weeds. Your kids are going to plant some seeds, your grandbabies are going to get some fruit. Mm. If you understood that, would it change your mindset about the breaking rocks and pulling weeds? Absolutely it would. Yeah. Because you'd have multi-generational vision. You'd understand that God's work is not just in individuals, it is, but it's in individuals that have a ripple forward through the generations of our family.
1: Yeah, that's so encouraging. And and to me, what you just said right there, uh, this generational approach, this multi-generational approach, will truly give uh, parents, grandparents uh, energy and vision when it comes to the time and effort they put into discipling their family. Uh, Dr. Reno, uh, God bless you. Hey, tell our listeners real quick what your website is, where they can find out more information about your resources.
0: Sure. We'd love to connect with you. Our website, visionaryfam, short for family, dot com. You can type Visionary Family Ministries into any social media page, and we'd also love to connect with you on our weekly podcast called Family Vision, and you can find that podcast on any podcast service. So Visionary Family Ministries, VisionaryFam.com, and the Family Vision Podcast.
1: All right, Dr. Reno, God bless you. Keep up the good work, and we'll uh, we'll have you uh, on again.
0: Thank you. I love talking to you.
1: All right, God bless. That was uh, Dr. Rob Reno um, of... uh, Visionary Family Ministries, and uh, he's also co-author of Visionary Parenting and Visionary Marriage, and he has excellent resources on his website. And by the way, I mentioned uh, that we will post uh, a URL to his website, to his resources on our podcast page at AFR.net. My name is Walker Wildman. You're listening to By Design here on the American Family Radio Network, and the purpose of By Design is to help strengthen and build godly marriages. Our motto, our theme here is one man, one woman for life. A couple of statistics here uh, that are very important. Marriage reduces the probability of child poverty by 80 percent. Another uh, a statistic that uh, that bolsters our argument and our uh, our discussion here, rather, is children Raised in married parent families are two times less lo- less likely to drop out of high school. Another statistic here, and this is all from our website, afa.net forward slash by design. Married parent uh, parent families make on average 30% more financially than unmarried parent families. And the last thing I'll conclude here as far as a statement goes is marriage is America's strongest anti-poverty, anti-crime, pro-health Institution, And that's just one of, of a plethora of reasons that we are, are hoping to strengthen and encourage marriages across this country and across this world. I wrote an article recently about uh, how biblical marriage used to be the common belief, how biblical marriage used to be the common belief. And uh, the quotes and the statistics that I pulled from, from this are just shocking now when you look back over the years marriage between a man and a woman uh, use one man and one woman used to be the status quo here in america and the united states of america it used to be the norm uh it was unquestioned for the most part uh that marriage by definition was known as a union between one man and a woman for life it was a covenant it was a contract for life well before 2015, before the Supreme Court weighed in on this issue of marriage, and in my opinion, uh, illegally and unconstitutionally weighed in on something that they really didn't have the authority to rule on, before 2015, over 30 states had passed constitutional amendments in those states that reaffirmed God's design for marriage and family, that marriage is between one man and and woman for a li- for life I even have a 2008 interview that a candidate then candidate Barack Obama did with pastor Rick Warren where he was questioned about what the definition of marriage is and well Barack Obama at the time said that marriage is the union between a man and a woman that's a quote there quote marriage is the union between a man and a woman I've got all kinds of other uh, quotes from public officials that uh, state the same thing, that marriage is between a man and a woman. So, you know, to be told that this is an arcane idea, uh, that marriage is not between a man and a woman, and we're crazy to think that, uh, that's just not true. Historically, in the world, marriage has been known by tradition as a union of one man and one woman, and not just tradition, uh, but biblical truth says, God's Word says in Genesis, and other places that marriage is strictly between one man and one woman for life. So that's our challenge, our encouragement today. God bless you. Keep up uh, the discipleship in your home. Keep building godly marriages, reading his word, relying on the Holy Spirit. And we'll see you next time on By Design.